Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Today, I want to start a series of messages, and, and I don't know how long I'm going to go, because I don't think I've ever finished a series. I always have so much more to say than I, than I say, but I want to talk to you about temptations, trials, tests, and deserts, putting it all together, right? Now, by the way, the Bible says the children of Israel, it took them 40 years to go through the desert, but the Bible says it was an 11-day journey. Took them 40 years to go 11 days worth of journey. Now, you say, what got them there? What kept them there? Well, there were a number of things, but one of the things that caused them to take 40 years to do an 11-day journey was the fact that they were, had wrong thinking. See, when the spies went into the promised land, 10 of them came back and they said, yeah, it's like God said, but there's giants, there's walled cities, there's seven nations, and they're stronger than we are. When God had told them, I have given you the land. Two stood up and said, let us go up at once and take possession. Unfortunately, the nation believed the 10. They had wrong thinking and their wrong thinking caused them to go into a desert where they spent 40 years, where they could have passed through in simply 11 days. How many of you don't want to spend any longer in the desert than we need to? I'm with you. All right. But let me just say this. Everybody goes through times of trials and temptation and testing. How I many of you know Jesus went through a time of temptation? And then it's interesting, it says, and the devil left him for a more opportune time. It wasn't like it was done. The devil was just really, hey, I'm defeated right now. I'm not getting where I want to go, but I'm coming back. I remember as a young Christian thinking, I'm just going to be so spiritual, I never get tempted. Let me just tell you, never happens. As long as you live inside of a flesh and blood physical body, right, there's going to be temptation. Jesus went through the desert. The Bible says he was there for 40 days. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, it says, And in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What this is telling us is we may go through some tests, we may go through some trials, but there is going to be a reward, an eternal reward for us in the end. And Jesus never told us that we would go through life on a flowery bed of ease. In fact, if when you came to Jesus, somebody said, just come to Jesus and everything in your life is going to be perfect, how many of you know they lied? They just lied. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7. He's finishing the Sermon on the Mount, literally the greatest sermon that was ever preached. And he says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them will be likened unto a wise man who built his house or his life on the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the wind blew and beat on the house, and it didn't fall, for it was founded on the rock. Now notice the person who's hearing the word of God and doing the word of God. That person will have winds, floods, storms beat against their house, the house of their life. 
It says, but Jesus said, you will come through. Jesus didn't say, follow me and you'll have no trouble. He said, follow me and there's going to be rains, there's going to be floods, there's going to be storms, there's going to be winds. Things are going to come against your life. But if you will hear the word and do the word, be a hearer and a doer, he said, you will come through victorious. Um, you know, I get to talk to you every week. Jeannie talks to me every day. Right? And uh, she said, I think she just said, you need it. She's probably right. You're okay. <laughs> Proverbs 10, 29 is one of those verses that she made come alive for me. Right? It says, the way of the Lord is strength to the upright. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright. What that means is this. Every time that you or I do something God's way, it strengthens us. Let me give you an example. If, how many of you know Jesus said to forgive? Right? When you forgive a person, right, you break the cycle of evil, returning evil for evil. You break that cycle. You get set free. And you get blessed. See, you do it God's way in its strength, right? You, you do anything God's way. You know, you get that nudge from the Holy Spirit. You're supposed to do something. You know, when you obey, you become more sensitive to the Spirit. You make better decisions. You please God and you get blessed. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright. When you resist temptation... You feel like, oh, I'm so weak, I'm so weak. But when you resist demonstration, you become stronger, you become freer, and you are blessed when you do it. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright. In Psalms 105, it talks about Joseph. His brothers hate him. They sell him as a slave to some slave traders. And it says, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters, and he was laid in irons. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Now, he was going through these situations. But what God was doing, God was preparing him for tremendous, tremendous blessing. God was getting ready to use him. You know, the circumstances that we go through, uh, the way we keep our attitude, the way we keep walking in love, the way we keep living by faith, the way we keep serving God in the midst of whatever it we're going through brings strength into our life and allows God to use us in such a great way for his kingdom. Now, I want to talk to you what I believe to be one of the most unpopular subjects right, in the body of Christ today. And that is the privilege of suffering for the kingdom of God suffering for righteousness sake and suffering for his name's sake. In Acts, the fifth chapter, the apostles have just been before the, 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 the Jewish leaders. They've been condemned. And it says they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. So they were rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy to suffer. Now, most Christians today look to do everything that they possibly can to not suffer, right? But yet these believers, they rejoice because they're counted worthy to suffer. 
as Jesus is finishing that great sermon, again, the Sermon on the Mount, as, as he's beginning, he says this, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed, and by the way, literally the word blessed means happy. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. Now, in the New Testament, it says all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now, the Bible is talking about how we're supposed to suffer. Now, the way we're supposed to suffer, I want you to listen, is for righteousness sake, for the kingdom of God's sake, and for his name's sake. Right? But we're supposed to suffer. We're not supposed to suffer for being a criminal, right? not to suffer under disease, but we are to suffer for the kingdom of God's sake. Right? So I remember Jeannie and I, we graduated from Bible college. Um, I was 22 and, and Jeannie was 20. Right? You know, we take off for Mexico right? and we get down there and, and literally in a matter of six weeks, we started to pastor a little church. And at that time, it was illegal to be a missionary in Mexico. So you had to go in on tourist papers and the maximum you could get was 180 days. So our 180 days were coming to a close and we came back to the States for about 10 days to get our papers renewed. And during that time, I had told a couple of the guys that were helping in the church, I said, there's this particular person and I knew, and someday I might talk about the how, but I knew this person was problems. And I said to them, do not let this guy preach. And by the way, his name was Lucio. He said, sounds bad, doesn't Lucio, Lucifer, you know, kind of getting the drift, all right? But I said, do not let him preach. And I said, Rahelio, you preach this night. Well, Tamok, you preach this night. You know, and I had everything all set up. But uh, the first service we were gone, he said, God told me that I'm supposed to preach. And they let him. Well, long story short, uh, he split the church while we were gone. We had about 120 people when we left, and we had 60 when we got back. And uh, I remember going door to door with a lot of the people. These are people, I mean, literally, there are people. Those that know me know I go to bed early, all right? But I'd stayed up till 2 o'clock in the morning, praying, counseling. And now they're, they're gone. And I'm knocking on their door. And they're cussing me out and spitting in my face. They, slit, they took knives and slit our tires on our car. And, and, and I'm at this one particular door, and they're calling me an American devil. You know, get out of here in Jesus' name, you American demon, you know? And I, I went back to my car and, and I, I put my hands on the steering wheel and I was bawling like a baby. And I said, God, I said, I'm the worst pastor you have ever had. I said, I've lost, lost, lost half the church. I, I said, and, and uh, this is, I, I just can't do this anymore. I, 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 Lord, I, I, just, I just quit. And, and as I'm saying this to God, this verse bubbles up. Every, many have a verse just kind of come up from someplace, you know. And it said, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for so persecuted they the prophets who were before you and great is your reward in heaven. And I remember, I just kind of went, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of went, ugh. <laughs> that, 
That was, that was about, that was about, you know, it just, it just did not in, in, inspire me. But what we tend to think is we tend to think that people of faith, they, they receive from God and people of faith never go through trials or tests or deserts, but we just simply go through life without any problems. But that is not true. I want you to listen to Hebrews chapter 11. Now, this is God's chapter of heroes. Who's who in the kingdom of God? People that, that accomplish great things by faith. It says women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mocking and scourging. Yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two were tempted, were slain by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these have obtained a good testimony or a good report through faith. Were they living in faith? Yes, they were. Right? They were living in faith, but yet they went through all sorts of temptations, tests, trials, deserts. See, faith is not just receiving something from God, but there is a time when by faith you stand up for righteousness and you're rejected and you're persecuted. There's times when you stand up in faith and, and God has somebody move to a third world country and live in conditions that most of us wouldn't want to, to live in. But you know what they do it? They do it by faith. They do it by faith. You're persecuted, the Bible, Jesus said. And it's by faith that you go through it. Now, somebody said, well, I've just never had any problem. I've just never ran into the devil or any persecution. Maybe it's because you're going in the, right dire the same direction as the devil. You know, you start going in the opposite direction, you're going to run into him. You're going to run into some conflict. Right? You can give up something for the gospel's sake. Right? And as a result, you are actually living by faith. It says these did not receive the promise. Now, the promise they were looking for, if you look in this chapter, it says that Abraham was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Right? He was looking for the heavenly Jerusalem. He was looking for heaven. He said they didn't receive it yet. But God has provided something better for us that we should not be made perfect apart from them. In other words, we and those that have died in Christ are going to receive our full redemption at the same time. The Bible says that Christ himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those of us who remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds. And so shall we forever be with the Lord. So he's saying that the final redemption for everybody takes place at the same time, right? But they please God living by faith. Now listen to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. For this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you're beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. And here's the part of the verse nobody likes. For to this you were called. We'll say that again. To this you were called. What are we called to do? To do the right thing and to suffer for doing the right thing. How many know the culture of the kingdom of God 
and the culture of the world are very different. In fact, they are diametrically opposed to each other. And when you live by the culture of the kingdom of God, remember Jesus said, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you live by the culture of the kingdom of God, the culture of this world is going to reject you. They will persecute you. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. So as believers, we are called to do right and to suffer for doing right because the culture around us does not flow with the culture of the kingdom. In fact, the culture around us very often is the antithesis of the kingdom of God. It is the exact opposite. Uh, just very recently in Canada, our near neighbor, they passed a law referred to as the C4 law. Some of you have probably heard about it. It's about conversion therapy. Let me give you what it actually means. That you cannot change a person's sexual orientation to heterosexual. Change a person's gender identity to segigenity. Segender. Segender is the gender you were born with. So if somebody thinks that they're, they're, they have a man's body, but they think they're a woman, you can't do anything to help them realize that they are a man. Change a person's gender expression so that it conforms to the sex assigned to the person at birth. Repress or reduce a non-heterosexual's attraction or sexual behavior. Repress a person's non-seg identity. Now, what it all comes down to is this, that you could not legally preach from Genesis 1, verse 27, which said God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. You could not preach from that without breaking the law and being subject to five years in prison. Now, that, that's just our neighbor across the border. Right? Now, that is not the values of the kingdom of God, right? but they are the values of this world. But the Bible says you need to stand up for righteousness, right? for the kingdom of God, for his namesake. So, by the way, they get a law like this, uh, we're going to need a big prison ministry because we're going. <laughs> we're going, right? Uh, just, just recently, in the, in the last 10 days, I had a phone conversation with someone who had a relative who had gender dysphoria. And he says, well, they, they, they say Jesus never talked about, about those issues. And I said, that's kind of true, but not really. Jesus talked about fornication, which includes gender dysphoria. And he also dealt with unclean spirits, which are spirits of sexual perversion. But not just what Jesus said is God speaking to us. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is God speaking to us. And of course, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it, said, it says, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators nor adulterers, or excuse me, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God, but such were some of you. I mean, realize you may have been, but that's not who you are when you're in Christ. Such were some of you, but you were washed, 
and you were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. And Father, we thank you that in Christ we are delivered. In Christ, we're free. In Christ, we are new creatures and old things have passed away and all these new things, they are of God. They're of God. Praise the Lord. Now, no matter what you're going through, realize you are not alone, right? You're not alone. First of all, over in, in 1 Peter, uh, the fifth chapter, it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. In other words, what you go through, other Christians are going through at the same time. I mean, the devil always tells you you're the only one. In fact, you, you, you look at the prophet uh, Elijah, he's called by God to bring deliverance to the nation of Israel. But he's all alone. And he gets, he gets really, he gets in a pity party, right? He's like, God, I'm the only one that's left. And God, they're trying to take my life. And God, I'm just no better than my father. And God, why, please, just kill me, God, just kill me. I mean, no, that's a mess, right? But he's there because he thinks he's the only one. And God says to him, hey, he said, I've got 7,000 people that have not bowed the knee. He says, you're not the only one, but let me just tell you something. Although there were 7,000, he didn't know any of them. You know why? Because he was a loner. And, and, and God has never called any of us to live the Christian life alone. We're called to be part of the community, the church that Jesus is building. And besides that, the Bible says this in Romans 8, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? For it's written, for your sake we're killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And he goes on and he says, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor things present, nor things to come, nor principalities or powers can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You are never, ever, ever alone. In Hebrews 6, he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Again, leave you means I will never physically leave you. But forsake you means I'll never turn my heart away from you. God says, no matter what you're going through, he says, my heart is with you. My heart will never be turned away from you. How many of you know the devil's called the accuser of the brethren? And he will tell you God's mad, God's upset, God's not going to use you, God's not going to bless you. You've gone too far. You've done too much. You're this, you're that. But it is a lie. It's a lie. Right? Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, do not let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Now, we live in a society that, that literally almost deifies our feelings. Well, I feel this. I feel like, I, I feel that. I, I, what I feel is, right? And they, whatever you feel is right. Well, what you feel is flaky. It may be right and it may not be right, right? Now, something isn't right because you feel it's right. And something isn't wrong because you feel it's wrong. Something's right because God says it's right. And something's wrong because God says it's wrong. It's, it is literally that 
Simple, right? But we live in a society where people, well, that's what I feel. That's what I feel. Now, Jesus said, do not let your feelings run your life. Do not do it. Don't let your heart be troubled. So here's what we need to do. We need to learn how to straighten our thinking out. You straighten out your thinking, you'll straighten out your feelings. So everybody talks to themselves. Did you know that? You see, what you talk to, even quiet people are talking to themselves all the time. Man, they're just not talking to you. They're talking to themselves. Right? So this is what the Bible says. 1 John 3, verse 19. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Right? And assure our hearts before him. Now, in, 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 in very short words, like I would say this. Your heart is your spirit and your mind or your soul. Now, he says, you need to assure your heart. You say, why do I need to assure it? Because the accuser of the brethren is going to be telling you some things. The devil's going to tell you things, right? And what we need to do is we need to be talking to ourself. Right? And, and by the way, it's scriptural to talk to yourself. David said, return to your rest, O my soul. Literally, it's his spirit man talking to his mind and saying, hey, I know you're afraid. I know you're fearful. I know you're concerned, but you need to get your act together and you need to get back in the rest of God. And then he tells himself how to do it. You see, but we've got people, what's going on in our mind is saying, you know, I never get any breaks. If something bad's going to happen, it always happens to me. And I always blow it every time there's an opportunity. And I cannot lose weight. I will never get out of debt. I will never break this addiction. You know what? I just never succeed. I never get promoted. Nothing ever works out for me. Well, it is it any wonder you're telling yourself all that. Right? And you're going to start believing all that. Right? But the Bible says in Philemon verse 6, it says that the communication of your faith may become effectual, like get turbocharged, supercharged by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. Now, here's what we need to recognize. That when Jesus went to the cross, he did not go alone. He took you with him. The apostle Paul said, my old man was crucified with Christ. Now, he's not saying his dad was one of the two thieves. Right? What he's saying is that person, that old nature that's on the inside of me, it went to the cross with Jesus. And the Bible says you not only died with him, but you were buried with him and you were raised with him. And Ephesians said you are seated together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Right? So everything that Jesus did, he took you with him. He didn't whip the devil to prove he could. He whipped him for you. He whipped him for me. Right? And there are things that we have in Christ. The Bible says that God always leads us in triumph in Christ. And that in him, well, it says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You are an overcomer in Christ. You have authority in Christ. In Christ, you are a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And in Christ, you are healed 
In Christ, you are a victor. In Christ, you succeed. In Christ, you have a breakthrough. In Christ, you are not the person the devil tells that you tells you you are. You're a new creature. You've been justified. You've been sanctified. You're washed in the blood and you're part of his kingdom, a part of his family. That's who you are in Christ. But you got to tell yourself who you are in Christ. You see, literally, you need the Bible to introduce you to yourself because that's who you are in Christ, who God says that you are. And the world is not going to tell you who you are in Christ. Right? So here's what you do. You begin to tell yourself who you are in Christ. Now, I want you to listen to this because this is important. There is a confession unto faith. See, you begin to say who you are and you literally, you school yourself. You're teaching yourself who you are, right? And after a while, you keep on telling yourself who you are, you're going to believe who you are. So there's a confession unto faith, and then there's a confession of faith, right? There's a confession of faith. Jesus talked about that confession of faith when he said, whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. See, as you keep on teaching yourself, schooling yourself, who you are in Christ, saying what belongs to you in Christ, the authority that you have in Christ, the victory that you have in Christ, the peace that you have in Christ, the healing that you have in Christ, the deliverance that you have in Christ. You keep telling yourself and telling yourself and telling yourself, pretty soon yourself's going to go, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, when Jeannie and I, we're, I'm going to close with this one. Uh, when, when we lived in Mexico, uh, we would go every year up to Houston, Texas. And th there was a pastor there named John Osteen. Uh, his wife, Dodie, was uh, diagnosed with terminal liver cancer. In fact, they, they gave her 10, 10 days to live. Um, she said uh, the, the doctor came in and gave them, here, here, here's the prognosis. And uh, her husband said, uh, that he said, uh, we believe in miracles. And the doctor said, well, you're going to have to have one because there's nothing we can do. They took Dodie home. Dodie said, uh, I began to confess the word of God. By his stripes, I was healed. And she said, it seemed like I would be whispering, saying, by his stripes, I'm healed. And the doctor's report was, you're going to die. She just kept on repeating the word, standing on the word, repeating the word, repeating the word, repeating the word, repeating the word. She said, a few months later, the Bible said, by his stripes, I was healed. And the doctor's report was, you're going to die. What happened? She, she literally, she, she energized her faith by the acknowledging of who she was and what she had in Christ. See, many Christians never walk in the victory that God has for them because they never boldly proclaim who they are in Christ, what belongs to them in Christ the authority they have in Christ, what they can do in Christ. Right? You and I need to acknowledge every good thing that we have in Christ.
And by the way, that, those little words, in Christ, in him, in whom, 130 times in the New Testament, who you are, what you can do, what belongs to you. Right? But we've got to acknowledge it. Right? We've got to school ourselves. Right? Teach ourselves. Again, the only place you're going to find out who you are, what belongs to you, is from the Word of God. Right? We are called to live not by the culture of this world, but by the kingdom of God culture. See? Jesus said, pray your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? Uh, I was brought up in church. Uh, for, for, for whatever reason, uh, I, I, I was 20 years old and I had no idea how to be right with God. No idea. I, I had never heard an invitation to receive Christ. I, I'd never seen an altar call in my life. And I had no idea. And I remember a guy that, that literally was a friend came up to me and said to me, he, he said, he said, would you like to be forgiven and know you're on your way to heaven? And when he said that, I thought, that is the stupidest question I've ever heard in my life. Who wouldn't want to be forgiven? Who wouldn't want to be right with God? Who wouldn't want to know they're on their way to heaven? And, and I said, of course. And then he said to me, he said, let me share a couple of verses with you. And uh, he shared Romans chapter 10, which says, if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is your Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised them from the dead, you'll be saved. And then the 13th verse says, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. I had never seen that before. No one ever shared that with me before. And he said, we can pray right now and you can be forgiven and you can be right with God. First time anybody ever told me that. Prayed right there, right there. Do you know, my life has never been the same. Never been the same. I, I, I came to realize that, that salvation wasn't something that you earn. It's something that you receive. You receive by receiving Jesus. And if you're here today and you're away from God, you're not right with God. And some of you, you may not know where you stand with God, but the Bible is true. And it says that whosoever, that's you, will call on the name of the Lord, will be saved. I wanna lead you in a prayer and we're gonna call on the Lord the way the Bible tells us to. And if you're not right with God, when we say amen, if you will pray this prayer from your heart, you're gonna be right with God. For me, that was 48 years ago, and it changed my life. I've never been the same. That prayer is still working today. And when you pray this prayer from your heart, it's going to keep working in your life. 48 years from now, it's still going to be working. So I'm going to ask everybody, if you can, take hands with somebody. If, if you're online, if you can, take hands with somebody. I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to make these words your own. Pray this out loud. Say, oh, God. I believe Jesus died on the cross. And I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe that he rose again, victorious over death, sin, and the devil. And I give him all of my heart 
in all of my life. I hold nothing back. Jesus is my king and I'm going to live for him. I turned my back on my old life. I'm not living for myself any longer. I'm living for Jesus. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven. And I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever. In Jesus' name. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.